When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Is This Normal Belfast Live Parenting Podcast. Vaccinations, it's a big one and there's so much out there. Um, Dr. Google, as usual, myths, truths, we're going to do it all today. So Dara's coming up to his, the biggie, the, the, the one year yeah. job. What is what? that? Is that really, is that, I can't even remember. Is well, it really big? And from what I gather and from what I've read, it's the, it's, it's like four jabs in one. Sure. So I think he gets a couple in his leg, one in each leg and then one in the arm. And from what, <laughs> from what I've been told horror stories from my sister-in-law and friends, it's like, yeah, it's um, actually, I'm really, really dreading it. So I've already, I've already made arrangements. So it's like, I actually went for his first jabs on my own. Yeah. And even on my, our very first appointment, I was terrified. But my, the midwife was like, to me, oh, you're so brave coming on your own. Put the fear of God in, into me. But it was, it was bad, but it wasn't as bad. Yeah. I was tiny. I don't think it can be that bad unless I blanked it out because it was that bad or else it actually wasn't that bad. So it's not worth remembering. But now, I think it was okay. But I think I'm already prepared because do you know when I think they're at that age now where they kind of are more aware of what's happening when he was small, it wasn't as bad. So I said, I was like, yeah, my husband's come with me. I was like, I'm not being the bad bully parent who's going to hurt their child. <laughs> Whenever we used to start to uh, drop our girls off and, and stuff at the nursery and things, it's, a, it's not about vaccines, but it's a similar kind of vibe. I would drop them off every day and then Andrew would pick them up. So it'd be like, mommy one. keeps abandoning <laughs> us and daddy comes to rec- rescue us at the that end is, of the day. That is a situation. But no, I, no, I know it's going to be fine. I think it's I'm just fine. being dramatic and... <laughs> and I'll, I'll just need somebody to hold my hand while I hold the child's exactly. hand. Exactly. He'll be fine. <laughs> Is it a few days, few weeks away? Yeah, it's imminent. I'm just it's imminent. literally okay. waiting on the well, date. <laughs> well, not to worry. And listen, we've got Gillian here from the PHA to explain everything. Hi, my name's Gillian Johnston. Um, I'm one of the health protection uh, consultants in the public health agency. And that basically means that I'm the lead for the immunisation programmes in Northern Ireland. So probably a parent's first introduction to vaccinations is even before the baby's born. So I know obviously when, when you're pregnant yourself, you're introduced to the options that you can get. There are a number of vaccines that you, that pregnant women are advised to get. Um, so Gillian, can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, absolutely. So there are two vaccines that women um, should get uh, during their pregnancy, and that is the whooping cough vaccine, mm-hmm. or also called pertussis, and the flu vaccine. Mm-hmm. So talking about the pertussis vaccine, whooping cough, that is given um, at every pregnancy. So whether you have one or six pregnancies, you get it every time. And the reason for that is to protect the newborn baby. Um, whooping cough is a really unpleasant um, respiratory infection and uh, particularly in those young babies under the age of six months it can be a really serious um, infection and and unfortunately it can be fatal at times and children when they're born they do get vaccinated against pertussis but they don't get fully vaccinated they get it offered at two three and four months of age and so those first few years or first sorry first few months they're not fully protected so giving the mum 
pertussis vaccine during pregnancy, then the immunity transfers across to the baby and so babies are protected in those first few months of life. And we know this vaccine works. It was introduced in 2012 um, when there was an outbreak of um, pertussis. So we saw lots of cases across kids and adults. And there were a couple of very young children who did die in 2012. And we introduced, I say we as in the UK, Mm -hmm. introduced the vaccine um, in October of 2012. And since then, for mums who've been vaccinated, we see very few, if any, cases of pertussis in you know babies under six months of age. So it's a real success story. And because it's so successful, it's now a regular vaccine that women should receive and will continue to receive. The flu vaccine is another one, and you can get that at any, and you should get that at any stage of um, pregnancy. So even if you're just becoming pregnant towards the end of the season, kind of January, February, March, we would still recommend you get it. And the reason for that is um, that flu can be more serious in pregnant women. um, And we know that uh, women can end up in intensive care or very unwell with flu. But equally, we know that newborn babies um, are more susceptible to infection and also so therefore can kind of get serious um, flu and resulting in hospital and kind of very sick. So that vaccine transfers over to them as well? So, yeah, so it provides protection and it pr- protects mum from getting flu and protects then mum from passing it on when the right. baby's then born. So, so yeah, both yeah. those vaccines are really important. Equally, the measles, mumps and rubella, what I would mm-hmm. say, you can't get that during pregnancy. But if you're thinking of becoming pregnant, what I would do is just check that you are have had your two doses of MMR. And if not, go to your GP and get a dose before planning for pregnancy as a new mum or a new dad coming home with your baby for the first time one of the first things that you're handed in the first little while is the little red book and you wonder what the heck happens next and where do I go from here so how do parents know what to do and and wh- where should we start yeah I know it's a huge step and we are very lucky in Northern Ireland and um, that we have one of the most comprehensive childhood vaccination programs in the world um, so it's equally an awful lot for parents to take on uh, during pregnancy women will get information in the pregnancy book which will give uh, people information on the various different vaccinations that children will get mm-hmm. but basically kids will get vaccination from birth right through our childhood and until they leave school at 16. What's the first one and how do we know when to go for it? Okay so like you mentioned the red book so yeah. the red book is generally given at delivery uh, to new moms and new parents and that will uh, give you all the information that's needed on a whole range of things when immunizations is one the important thing for you or for parents to uh, remember is that their GPs uh, have their latest uh, address. And the reason for that is they will automatically be called for their immunizations. So mums and parents don't have to remember to kind of make the appointment. They will get called. And for all children, the first appointment that they'll get called for is at two months of age. And they'll get called and they will get the vaccination at their GP. And uh, at, at that point, they'll be vaccinated for a whole range of kind of serious infectious diseases. And what kind of, what infections, what infectious diseases are they? So in, like in total over the whole childhood programme, the programme prevents against 16 infectious diseases. And these are serious infections, cause serious complications, and in some cases can't even call death. Uh, so they're really important. And parents making the right decision to kind of vaccinate their kids will be protecting them against the, all these uh, infections. The... 
vaccinations are given at different stages depending on when the biggest risk is for that disease for the child. So at two months of age, you will get uh, the child will get four injections, um, which is and what we call a six in one. And then they will also get one against meningococcal, uh, pneumococcal, and another one called rotavirus. Okay. It's an awful lot to take in. Yeah, and it is is such a scary, daunting time, I think, for parents thinking, you know, especially at, 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 what is it, sorry, the two months? Yeah, so at two months and you're bringing your little tiny baby to your GP surgery for these. um, And it can be, it can be a worrying time. I mean, what would you say to parents who, you know, who are worried about that first kind of, maybe not just the first set as as they go through um, and kind of the, the actual you know, the actual vaccinations themselves, because it probably is more daunting for parents than it is for, for the baby. And obviously babies are going to cry, but, you know... Absolutely, and do some re- don't. Yeah. You know, obviously parents worry about, you know, will the vaccine be sore and get stressed about it. But actually some some babies aren't bothered by it. And, you know, some older children, he can tell you, find, say that it isn't that painful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think the key thing for parents is to keep calm yeah. and to kind of be reassured that they're doing the best thing for their child, that they're protecting their child from these serious infections. And by doing that, they're they're doing the right thing for their child. There are lots of, you know, scaremongering, I suppose, about vaccinations in general. Um, and there's there's lots of things in the news recently about, you know, the, the and these infectious diseases and, this, and surge in cases because, you know, probably there are people deciding further down the line not to get their children vaccinated. I mean... It's, it's, how, does it, how, does, how do we fare in Northern Ireland in terms of those those types of things, in terms of the vaccination uptake here? I mean, we're very lucky. We have a good programme here. We have a, um, a large number of vaccinations that cover against these serious infections. And we've always had very good uptake and that mm-hmm. continues. Um, but we're living in a world where it's easy to get information. It's easy to get information from online, um, social media, etc. And there can be misinformation there. Mm-hmm. However, we do know that for the majority, by far and away, the majority of parents trust the programme, trust the vaccines and want to do the best for the child and and will um, vaccinate their child. And that's kind of borne out by our figures as well, which shows good uptake for um, our vaccinations at kind of one year, two years, five years and, and also into kind of school age. And so what are the myths? Because why elsewhere? I know that in England, the, the figures have dropped a wee bit and... Um, and the, the number of cases have, have risen in some parts of the UK. What are the myths? Why are people worried about getting their children vaccinated? Well, parents, I mean, it's normal for parents to want to do the best thing for yeah. their child. And they want to know what, you know, why they're doing it and what the information is to so that they can make the right decision. So it's it's normal for parents to kind of read the information and ask questions. And I would encourage that if they have any questions to to, you know, to continue to ask. Um, the problem is, as I mentioned, there we know from history and over the years that some misinformation can spread about vaccinations, and that has been uh, the case over the years. And mostly those myths are around the safety of the vaccine or how effective the vaccine is against the infection. But we know that our programme, only the vaccines in our programme only get introduced um, into the programme if they've been thoroughly tested. And it's a very rigorous kind of evidence-based um, programme. So we only introduce vaccines 
if we know that they are absolutely safe and that they work and that they're and, and so we know that they're work that they work and we know obviously there are in some cases you know as with any kind of vaccination even as an adult or anything else there are the possibility of some side effects I mean, what would you say to parents who are probably maybe reading the side effects and maybe that is what's putting them off, perhaps getting, you know, children vaccinated already hearing about what can develop? And I know usually that you have the common side effects, like, you know, especially in a baby's, it's, you know, it's a slightly raised temperature and things like that there that can be brought under control quite easily. But the more serious side effects are those, you know, are those one of the concerns you think parents would be? Well, no, I mean, we know from our kind of surveys that are done across the UK that most parents, and I say most, like 90% plus of parents trust the, trust the vaccine programme and are supportive and want their children to be vaccinated. Um, those that may have concerns may be because of misinformation, like I mentioned, around safety and how effective it is. Like you mentioned, side effects. Um, Vaccines are very safe. There's very, very few children and adults who can't receive a vaccine. And like you mentioned, there are some redness that you might get around the injection, discomfort around the arm. And and certainly some children, particularly with one of the vaccines, which is called the meningococcal B vaccine, we know that um, children can sometimes get a temperature afterwards. So we recommend that parents have paracetamol in the house or Calpol mm-hmm. um, and, and and give them a dose of Calpol either just, just after they've had the vaccine. Yeah, it's not, is it recommended to give them? I know, I think I was, I've heard it from friends yeah, of mine so before I had um, my wee man, you know, to give the Calpol an hour before you actually are due to go for your vaccine appointment to kind of lessen the pain or take the edge off the pain is that something that you guys would recommend as a general for vaccines no um because as we know that's what mums worry about of course like it's going to be painful (laughs) it's going to be sore um and we know that quite often it isn't that painful for i mean babies will cry but um they generally get over it um quite quickly um and older kids who um you know, he can tell us just, well, maybe say it's either they didn't feel it or it was a bit of a scratch. So, um, so no, we, as a general, we wouldn't recommend any need for paracetamol or, or any kind of painkiller before the vaccine. There is one vaccine, the one <coughs> meningococcal B mm-hmm. or men B, and that's given at two, four and 12 months of age. Mm-hmm. And that one is more likely to give you a temperature. Okay. So we do recommend paracetamol for those. And that's in your red book and it's yeah, in the yeah. pregnancy book and it's in the leaflet. Um, we have... Public Health Agency produces leaflets for mums mm-hmm. and parents, um, and we, you know, th- they get posted out to the parents with their fir- with their appointments. And so I would say, read the information, yeah. understand what you're going to, and if you've any questions, speak to your GP or your health visitor, or your practice nurse. Just ask those questions because it's normal to have questions because you want to do the best for your child. And the one that seems to be the um, <clears throat> slightly problematic with people turning their backs on a little bit across, you know, across the world seems to be this MMR and the, the mumps and measles one. Have you come across anybody with mumps or measles, you know, professionally? Have you, I mean, what's it like? What, what are the results if a child does get it? So, yeah, the vaccine, the vaccine you're talking about is MMR, measles, yeah. mumps, rubella. And um, it's a, one of our safest vaccine. It's given at 12 months of age and again at three years of age. And so kids before they start school, if they've had the two doses, will be completely protected against measles, mumps and rubella. Uh, measles can be a nasty infection. And before the MMR was introduced, which was in the late 80s, we routinely saw cases of measles um, and 
it's a, it's like any infectious disease. It gives you a fever, sickness, widespread mm. rash, but it also gives you like serious complications like meningitis, um, pneumonia, and, and other sometimes long-lasting serious complications. And we do know that children do die from measles, and certainly before the MMR vaccine, we did see children dying from measles every year. So we now don't see that in Northern Ireland, and that's a real kind of success story of the MMR vaccine. In Northern Ireland, because we have good uptake, we haven't had a case of measles uh, since two years now. Um, and, 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 and then, yes, we did have a small kind of um, group of measles cases. Um, and, and of those cases, they were, some of them were children and some of them ended up in hospital right. and were quite unwell whenever they were there. So it is a serious infection mm-hmm. and it's something that if you're a mum you, or a parent that you want to avoid, if you can avoid your child from catching it, then giving the MMR vaccine will do that. And what about, is it one of those like chicken pox that once you have it, you won't get it again? So if a child was to get it, would they then be immune afterwards? I mean, yes, if you've been naturally affected with measles, um, you will be immune. um, But that's not the risk you want to take. Oh, yeah, it's still (laughs) something you want to put your child through. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, You do get natural infection. But what we want to avoid is people getting the infection in the first place and and having immunity from the vaccine. Sure. And what about mumps? What's that like? So mumps is, it's, it's another one of those infectious diseases. Um, it's easily caught. It gives people a temperature, makes people unwell. And um, classically, they'll get the, the swollen kind of glands on each side of the face. And it, like, other, like any of these vaccine preventable diseases, they have the risk of more serious complications yeah. like meningitis and um, with boys in later life, even infertility. So, oh, so, you know, again, that's something that we want completely avoid. to avoid. Yeah. Are mumps contractable even if your child has been vaccinated with the MMR? Or are, is, it, is it a possibility? I just remember back, I know like certainly obviously we all got our vaccination programmes, but I certainly <laughs> remember even back when I was in school that there were mumps cases. Yeah, I mean, you're right. So the MMR vaccine, we recommend two doses mm-hmm. and that gives you lifelong protection against measles and rubella. Um, it doesn't, to the same extent, give you lifelong protection against mumps. Mm-hmm. And we do know that kind of in late teen, early 20s, even um, people who've been vaccinated with two doses of the MMR can can be at risk of a milder form of mumps. Yeah. But I think the key thing is that it is a milder form yeah, and you don't get the complications yeah. that you, you do if you've not been vaccinated at all. Yeah. And then I guess the more people who are vaccinated, the less chance anybody will catch it. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's, the, the, that's the kind of key from our mm-hmm. side, um, from the public health side. We want all, as many of the population that can be vaccinated to be vaccinated because that not only protects that individual from the kind of serious complications, but it also reduces the amount of that virus that's spreading mm-hmm. in the environment so that those people who can't have the injection or the vaccine, or if they're too young, you can't have the MMR until you're 12 months, that they will be protected from what we call the kind of population effect. And is there any risk if you are vaccinated? So if your child was vaccinated, for example, and they went to school and there was a child unvaccinated in their class, is that, they can't catch it. I mean, does that, is there any kind of, should parents be compelled to tell the school or are they? I don't know if the child's not vaccinated. Are they already compelled to do that? Well, 
No, I mean, the parents don't. Um, there, there's uh, The way things are in in the UK and in Northern Ireland is that um, children can go to school mm-hmm. um, when wh- whether they've been vaccinated or not. So we don't have any mandatory policies. But that's because we don't need it here. Um, our children are highly vaccinated and um, we, we know that we haven't had many measles cases um, in recent years. And and, and so therefore the, the risk isn't there. Um if a child is fully vaccinated, they will be protected against measles and rubella. Those that aren't vaccinated, even if you start to get small numbers of children, not necessarily in school, but just small groups of children who are not vaccinated, then that's whenever there's a risk of the virus kind of starting to circulate and putting people who are not vaccinated more at risk. But saying that, it's important that children continue to be vaccinated. And so parents have to continue to bring their child to the GP to have the injections and not become complacent. We do know that if the MMR uptake or vaccine uptake falls, that then that's the risk whenever we get more cases and children getting the infection. And particularly with more people travelling these days, and we know that in other countries there are more measles cases than we have here, there is a risk, if you haven't been vaccinated, of picking up the infection abroad. And we obviously know that the parents are going to worry anyway. And as you mentioned, they're going to have questions. So we, where would you advise people to turn to for advice? Obviously, you've got your GP and your health visitors. But even outside of that, when obviously when your child is probably in, in toddler stage where you don't have a regular, say, trip to the health visitor, where would you advise them to turn? So, yeah, there's lots of resources out there. Um, you've got your red book mm-hmm. that you mentioned, and that will have some information. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whenever you're due your vaccinations, you'll get, the the appropriate leaflet posted to your house. So that provides a lot of the information that we know that parents want to know and have asked over the years. We know also that kind of health professions are one of the most trusted sources of information. So I would say, you know, if you're going to your GP for anything else, ask the practice nurse, ask the GP when you're there about what the vaccine that you know is coming up. Um, Because they're the experts, they've been trained and they'll know, you know, the answers. In addition to that, the you know online, go to trusted sources. So the Public Health Agency website, we have a section on immunisations that includes all our leaflets. It also includes other information about vaccinations. And the NI Direct website also has general information on vaccines, um, each of the vaccines at, at each different age. So not just general Dr. Google and the first thing that comes up? No, no, I would say um, our leaflets, yeah. health professionals and then public health agency RNI Direct okay. are trusted sources. <laughs> and then obviously just touching on another area of vaccinations, which is um, it's quite topical because it's, it's coming down the line, I think, for Northern Ireland later this year. But it's the, the introduction of the HPV vaccine for boys. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what can you tell us about that for parents who probably wouldn't be aware? Parents have probably who just have boys, you know, and wouldn't have had girls who've had it before, wouldn't know much about it. Yeah, so the HPV, or the human papillomavirus um, vaccine, is a vaccine that has been around for the last 10 years. So since 2008, 12 and 13-year-old girls were offered it, and they're offered it in school. So they get a, the first kind of before Christmas and then the second dose in after Easter. And the reason it's given is because it prote- protects against HPV cancers and in women it's a particular type of cancer the cervical cancer that when you're an an adult that you'll go on and have your cervical screening for as well Um, over the years since this has been introduced it's been recognised that HPV also causes other cancers um, 
uh, of the head, neck, and, and and other kind of genital areas that affect men and women in the same way. So the decision was made, kind of nationally, that it should be given to boys as well. So now, like from September, we announced it in Northern Ireland earlier this year, and from September, the school nurses will be going into the schools as normal, but vaccinating. 12 to 13 year old boys as well as girls so the program will be exactly the same um, one dose before Christmas and the second dose after Easter and is it I know you mentioned it, it's it's offered is, is it's not compulsory either like all vaccinations it's just a general you know parents will probably get a letter you know to inform them that the nurse is coming in to do this yeah um, so that's so the, it's recommended but it's yeah I mean it's all our vaccines are recommended kind of based on you know the evidence that it's going to protect your child from serious infections mm-hmm. um, and w- w- the way it works in the school-based programs is that you'll get sent the information leaflets there's a parent information leaflet and one for the child and the consent form and you've the opportunity to ask questions like any other vaccines either through your GP or through the school nurses and the schools work with us and we've worked very closely with the schools and um, the education authority and the school nurses and we always have really good uptake in our school programs people are happy to have the vaccine because we offer other vaccines mm-hmm. in the school and um, it works very well. So she goes, what is the uptake like with girls already? Is it really is it good as positive? So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been <clears throat> in place for 10 years. It's been in and around 90% across Northern right. Ireland. Um, some, t- some years have been lower than others and, you know, some areas um, we kind of concentrate more on, um, but overall and across Northern Ireland, good uptake and are you expecting something similar hopefully for for the boys i don't see why not (laughs) (laughs) hopefully i mean we're certainly we're kind of promoting it and working with the schools and everybody to kind of ensure that it happens and it's the best thing for boys and girls we know that so we're hopeful it'll be this good uptake as well i know it's good it's something we missed out on i know i know i know no but at least it's at least it's being brought in now at least you know your kids are going to be protected as well yeah that's a good thing coming down the line absolutely yeah brilliant Another one then that was quite interesting was the um, the meningitis jab was introduced in 2015. So my little girl Betsy was born on 15th of April. Couple of, we were living in London now, so I don't know if it was exactly the same dates over here. But at the time she was born in April, my niece Juno was born in June. And right in the middle, the, the flu vaccine was introduced and Betsy didn't get it and Juno did. And they're four now. So can Betsy, can Betsy get it or are we too late or what do we do about arranging that? So the vaccine you mean is what we call the Men B vaccine. And that is a vaccine that protects against one type of the really serious meningitis and uh, blood poisoning that um, young kids and um, teenagers can get. It's called meningococcal septicemia or meningococcal meningitis. And it's a really horrible infection. And, you know, it's the infection that all kind of pediatric and GP doctors really fear and also parents as well. Oh. Children can be really, really very unwell, and there's a high proportion that you know do die from meningococcal. We are really lucky in the UK in that we have a vaccine for all the types. So children will be vaccinated against the type B, and that's the one you're okay, talking about. Yeah. Um, so at two, four, and 12 months of age. But they'll also be vaccinated against the types A, C, W and Y and they, I mean, C equally caused devastating illness like many years ago mm-hmm. and more recently we've been seeing W causing equally kind of devastating illness and since we've introduced men B 
men C and ACWI vaccine at different age groups, depending on when the risk is. We've seen our cases of meningococcal disease really fall, you know, really dramatically. In, in days gone by, before any of the vaccines were introduced, um, we would routinely see kind of um, up to kind of 100 cases um, a, a year. And this year or last year, we've, saw, we've seen 17. Okay. So, and, and then young kids and, and, t- and young teenagers um, or kind of old teenagers and young adults, um, it's, it's reduced across the board. Now, it's not gone away. Um, and men B is, is still the one that is the more common, but it's, it's reduced significantly. And so for a slightly older child who missed the boat on that vaccine, so for a four-year-old, I guess, and above, is it worth doing that now? Or had they sort of missed that real danger point? Or is it worth looking at? Yeah, so the reason the vaccine was introduced is because um, at that age, that's when your biggest risk is for that particular type, men B. So very Um, young. So the two, four, so that's why we introduced it in two, four and 12 months. Because all these programmes... It's all very planned. Mm-hmm. They don't just pluck these dates out of the kind of yeah. air. They choose the dates according to where the greatest risk is. So those kids were the great, at greatest risk. And so, so so a child who's older than that now would be out of that risk period and so wouldn't okay. um, require the vaccine. And also by the fact that we've got good uptake of that of, of the programme, it protects those older age groups that haven't sure. um, received the vaccine. So that's... Brilliant, Gillian. Obviously, we've we've learnt lots today. I know I've, I've personally been been got lots of reassurance um, on on vaccines. I know there's probably lots of other parents out there who feel reassured to know that it's definitely better to have your child vaccinated than than not. Um, so, I mean, if there are parents out there, when we know there are going to be lots of questions and who people who maybe have been taken in by some of the the myths and the and the and the horror stories out there that are probably factually incorrect and um, where would you tell them to turn for the proper advice and, and all the logical advice that you, that you would recommend so yeah you're right there's lots of information out there what i would say is the trust most trusted source of information if you're wanting to go online is the public health agency website google pha public health agency and it'll come up So what do you think? Are you feeling a bit better? I do. I feel much more reassured. I think, do you know what? It's it's probably reminding myself of, you know, I'm, I'm 100% for vaccines. Uh-huh. I, I know he has to get them. I'm, I would never, ever kind of withhold them from him just because of my own fears of, of hurting him, which is it's not going to hurt. <laughs> Realistically, it's over in seconds. You know, if he needs it, he can have some calpol for the pain exactly. or whatever. So, no, I do feel much more reassured and hopefully it'll all go well. I know, well, I didn't say this to Gillian uh, earlier, but I'm glad that things have moved on a little bit because apparently whenever I was a baby, um, living down in South Armagh at the time, my mum took me around a pigsty for having mumps. You know, the old traditional cures. So I don't know what that was about, but I think it worked as well. So I mean, each to their own. (laughs) Each to their own. South Armagh witchcraft apparently works just as well. But anyway... (laughs) We'll go with science for now. I think scientific (laughs) risk probably best. That brings us to the end of another episode of Is This Normal? Um, And this is the end of this little series. So we really hope to be back filling you with lots of lovely stories about our little ones and of course some excellent experts in the near future. So stay in touch. 